Well, good morning and welcome to our final Men's Leadership Network interview for this semester. We're glad you could join us. I want to say welcome to all the satellite campuses watching in Cool Springs at Bricks and in Nolensville at Highway 55. And again, to anybody that's catching us on a podcast or a replay of this interview, welcome to you all. Uh, we're going to do the same format this morning. We're going to go for about 40 minutes with Matt. And then we're going to pause and take some questions. So if you've got questions that you'd like to get to us for Matt, you can do that two ways. You can tweet those in to questions, or tweet your questions in to at leadership underscore net, or you can email them in to questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. This morning is my privilege to introduce Matt Burhart. Matt moved to Williamson County in 2006 when Nissan moved its national headquarters to Cool Springs. He and his family began attending Rolling Hills right after the move, when the church was still meeting in the Thoroughbred movie theaters. While his work required many cross-country relocations over the years that left his family consistently church shopping, Matt attributes his positive momentum in his faith journey to his involvement at Rolling Hills. Since enjoying a successful automotive career at Nissan, Matt was fortunate enough to remain in Williamson County for the last 11 years, which is the longest he's been able to keep his family in one spot. January marks his 32nd year with Nissan, holding senior level positions in many facets of automotive sales and marketing. He holds a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Michigan, and in 2015, he completed his executive MBA from Washington State University. In 2016, Matt and John Spoon, a decade-long close friend of Matt's and another partner at Rolling Hills, co-founded Waypoint Properties, LLC. They've both dreamed of bringing their corporate experience and diversified executive skill set to a Christian-centered approach to real estate. They currently hold their licenses at Parks Realty in Brentwood, and Matt looks forward to transitioning full-time to his partnership following his retirement from Nissan. Matt is husband to Kim, and they have two boys, Tyler and Travis. Tyler is now working on his doctorate at Belmont, and Travis is a sophomore at Florida State University. Please join me in welcoming Matt Burhart. Matt, yeah. <laughs> Um, Matt, that's great, man. I'm so thankful you're here with us this morning. And uh, man, what an incredible uh, bio and all the things that God's allowed you to do over the years. Uh, tell us about your growing up years. What was that okay. like? Normal family. Grew up in Southeast Michigan. Uh, dad was an engineer. My mom was a homemaker. Uh, two older brothers, Lou and Mark, uh, they were uh, 12 and 9 years older than me, respectively. And then I have a younger brother that's three years younger than me. So. Uh, kind of that two-family stage back mm. then. Uh, you know, we just lived out kind of in the country, uh, had motorcycles and animals, pets. Uh, it was just kind of a normal, normal, uh, normal growing up years. Was raised Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, parents didn't go to church a lot with us. It was usually the kids kind of got sent off to the Catholic church. Um, I went to a Catholic school up through fifth grade. Mm. And uh, uh, Finished, uh, finished high school, went to Michigan, like Thomas said, uh, graduated. My, uh, I lost my mom when she was 61 to, to cancer, and uh, my dad lived till 84, had Alzheimer's. Mm. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of the, the growing up years. Well, about your career, I mean, it sounds like you've been all over. I mean, this is the longest place you've ever lived, it sounds like. Tell us yeah. about that, your family and career. Well, <laughs> when we moved here, uh, this, this was the fifth house in six years that I had my kids in. Wow. Uh, we had done some California to New Jersey, California to Virginia moves. I mean, it was typical corporate relocations. Um, 
you know, back then, I, I just really thought it was important because I wanted to climb the corporate ladder and relocations were part of it because typically uh, a promotion came with the relocation mm -hmm. and, and that was kind of the test of how committed you were. Um, so so it, was, it, was, it was really tough, obviously, as the kids got older. So, um, you know, we made the decision once we got here, we were going to stay here and uh, we were blessed to be able to do that. Um, like Thomas said, 32 years with the company, lots of different areas, um, had, had, have, had a great career with Nissan, mm -hmm. uh, straight out of college. I don't think many people stay with the same company 32 years yeah. uh, like, like I have, so, so it's been great. I think the more exciting thing is what, what Thomas talked about with, with John Spoon and other, he and Cindy are members here as well. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he and I grew up together in the automotive business at Nissan, and we've known each other for almost 30 years. Our wives know each other, kids know each other. And, and since we relocated so many times, we just have this, this vision of, you know, what, what can we do to help people in, in the situation of moving, whether it's a relocation or just across town. And so uh, we wanted to do it in a way that was kind of Christ-centered. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, we founded Waypoint Properties. We got our licenses about two years ago. We hung them at Parks. Um, Bob Parks is a great Christian guy. I mean, it's a, it's a great company. Um, John's full-time since he retired from Nissan a couple years ago. And when you talk about the name, the reason that we picked Waypoint is if you, if you know anything about navigation or following a map, you know, a, a waypoint is a stop along a journey. Mm. And there's so many waypoints in life, but, you know, buying your first house, exp you know, getting a larger home, upgrading when your family starts getting bigger, finding that right house to, to uh, you know, downsize into, and then finally the perfect one to, to retire into. Those are all waypoints, and we just think with our experience and our business acumen and, and all the, the times we've relocated, we thought we could help people. So that's how we founded Waypoint. Uh, we've had a blast. God has been so good to us in this endeavor just so far with me still being part-time uh, evenings and weekends because I'm still full-time at Nissan. But our first full year, we did over $13.5 in sales. So that wasn't us. I mean, God brought that to us. Mm. I love that, you know, and I love C.S. Lewis says you're never too old to dream a new dream, you know. It's like, okay, what's God calling me to do and, and, and how can I step out and use that uh, for God's glory and not just be stuck just doing what I'm doing, but maybe there's something else that God's calling me to do. And we talk a lot about that at Men's Leadership and how God's wired you. And I, and I love seeing you put that into action. You know, when you came to Rolling Hills, I remember it was, it was, it was a, a big step of faith for you because you <laughs> growing up Catholic all your life, and that have been kind of where you uh, were. But talk about your faith journey and talk about what God's been doing in your heart and your life. Okay. Well, yeah, you and I <laughs> talked a lot yeah. when, when, I first, uh, when we first moved here and started going to Rolling Hills. And, and I was really comfortable with, with my Catholic upbringing. I mean, I was, <clears throat> I was very comfortable with, you know, my infant baptism because, mm -hmm. you know, I made that decision on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Three, three weeks or whatever. But, you know, I was just, I was raised that way. I mean, you got baptized as an infant. You know, you did, you know, uh, you made your uh, first communion, your first confession, your first confirmation. Those were the things that you kind of grew up in. And so I really struggled with, you know, the, the idea of adult baptism. Mm. Um, not that I judged anybody else, but just for me, it's like, I don't, 
this wasn't, this isn't necessary. I've already been baptized. I'm already in, I'm part of God's family. But I, I never really was a real strong Christian. I mean, I was certainly a believer, but I just didn't get involved. You know, I got the one hour in on Sundays. And, um, you know, things just, uh, things are going along great, career-wise, family-wise. Um, and then, you know, then I had kind of a rough patch. And I think during your darkest times, that's when you really seek God out, and that's, that's when I did. Mm. And, uh, and that's when I made the decision to, to get baptized. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, because I mean, that was a big decision for you. You know, you spent a lot of time praying and um, talking to people. And talk about that. What was that like for you then? Okay. So the, the, I think the first step of really getting involved was um, we, we were on the launch team for South Nashville. Mm-hmm. And it was close to our house. It was, it was easy to get to. It, was, um, it gave us a chance to become involved in, in Rolling Hills in a different way than, than just coming down here every Sunday. So, so we got involved in that. And, and I just, you know, I, 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 I developed a really close relationship with Jason mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the folks there and I got involved in the parking and safety team there. And uh, I, just started, I just started thinking about it. And I said, you know, there's so many things that, are, that went from going really well to not so well right mm-hmm. now. I, 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 need to, I need to tell God in a very clear way I'm here. I'm going to do this different now, and and baptism was was the choice. So actually, I have the honor of being the first person baptized at South Nashville. Uh, Jason threw me into a landscape tub with cold water. It was just very humbling, but uh, but yeah, I finally did it, and it was great. I mean, you, not to sound cliche, but I mean, I felt the rebirth. I felt different the moment he pulled me back out of the water, and and I. I'll say that till the day I go to the, my grave. Oh, I love that. I mean, that, it, you know what I appreciate about you? Because a lot of times as guys, we want to be, uh, you know, it's the pride or it's the outward veneer. And, and for us to, to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you, you know. And that, that step of obedience and being baptized, I mean, was a big thing. And, and it made a huge impact. I mean, it made a huge impact in the church, but also in your family and watching that. Talk about some of the relationships or just as your family has been growing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, first of all, I think it's brought, it definitely brought Kim and I closer. Because yeah. um, Kim, Kim's an amazing, amazing woman. Uh, that was one of the best choices and decisions I've ever made. And she's a very, uh, she's a great Christian. You know, she's involved here in Mom to Mom. and. Uh, she's just, uh, she was always several steps ahead of me in that faith journey. And I know she kept looking back, like, come on, come on, come on. And I was just always so, mm. um, just kind of obstinate about it. And so I think the, the baptism was the very first step. And I still have, still had and still have a long way to go. Mm. But I think that kind of made her feel, he's serious about it because she knew how I felt about the, the infant baptism. And, and I think when I did that, she, I think it clicked. Okay, I think he's. I think he's starting to turn the corner. So I think it's brought us, brought us closer. Mm-hmm. And I think with the boys, you know, it's easy when they're younger to mm-hmm. put them into Bible study and and kids' Bible camps and whatnot. But you know, now at 19 and 22, they're they're their own men. They're their own thinkers. And 
for me, what works best for them, in my opinion, is I've just got to set the right example for them, and I wasn't doing that before. So I might have some ground to make up, but I think now that I'm setting the right example, you know, I'm an A6. I stepped way outside of my comfort zone this year by leading a community group. Um, I always like sitting back and listening and learning and taking notes and being a little bit bashful answering questions, but now I'm the, I'm, it's changed. I got to lead, I got to prepare. So, you know, Kim's Bible and all her stuff's on the kitchen table, my Bible and all my stuff's on the kitchen island. And I think the boys, you know, they see that and, I, I'm, and, and they hear us talking about it. I love that. I love that. Hey, Matt, talk about, because after you were baptized, it was right around that time that uh, your brother was diagnosed. And mm -hmm. that was something that, you know, you and your brother were really close. Um, but what was your reaction when that diagnosis came out and you were like, about your brother? Well, he was, uh, Lou's, Lou's 12 years older than me, like I mentioned, and he was almost like a second dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a great guy. He, he was involved in everything. He, he had more hobbies than, than, I could, than I could count. He was into motorcycles, hunting, fishing, you know, target shooting. Um, photography, darkroom, you know, developing the stuff in the darkroom. He was always doing something, and he always brought me into it, even as a, a sibling 12 years his junior, and, and we just had a blast together, and I just felt he was invincible. Well, unfortunately, Lou smoked pretty much his entire adult life, and, and I got a call in uh, February of 15 from his son, my, my nephew, and said, hey, Dad's got you know, lung cancer stage four. And it just, I mean, it just, I stopped in my tracks. I was walking, I was leaving the office, walking out to the car in the parking garage. And, and Lou didn't, he didn't, we didn't communicate much after that um, <clears throat> for the next several weeks because I think he avoided a discussion with me. And I don't know why my gut tells me it was because um, he didn't, he didn't want to admit to me that he was dying. I don't think he wanted to um, break down mm. in front of me or on the phone with me. I, I'm not really sure, but he, I think we talked once. And um, so I got, I got, I was getting ready. It was, it was, it was Good Friday, 2015. So six, seven weeks later, I was getting ready to drive to Knoxville to visit Tyler because he had too many exams, couldn't come home for Easter. I had the day off. So I was going to head there for a night or two. And while I was in the shower, my wife, uh, my sister-in-law left me a voicemail, and it was, it was. I looked at it, it was an eight-second message, so I listened to it and it just said, "Hey, um, things have taken a turn for the worse. You need to get up here fast." Like, where did this come from? I thought I had, you know, another. I mean, I was realistic about it. I thought maybe we had another year or two. So, kind of changed plans. Texted Tyler, told him, "Sorry, I can't come." I hopped in the car, drove up to Michigan, and uh, went straight to the hospital. He was at University of Michigan Hospital, and uh, he um, <laughs> he was. When I walked into the room after like a seven-hour, eight-hour drive, he was in his bed talking to the palliative care doctor, and I'm thinking, you know, palliative care. The this doctor's sole responsibility is keeping you comfortable while you die. Oh. And it's, it was, it, it, it hit me. And <laughs> he, uh, he looked up at me and he smiled. 
And then he turned to the doctor and said, my little brother's here, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and uh, so, so I was with him the whole night. Um, I stepped, stepped back to the hotel once for a couple hours to get some rest, but, you know, and, and talking to my sister-in-law, this is the part, this is where the guilt comes in. I, I found out then that he wasn't a believer. Um, I don't think he was an atheist. I just think he, he attributed everything to science. You know, the sunrise, the sunset, the, uh, the fish he caught, you know, just everything was attributed to science. And I didn't even really know that. And, and Lou and I were as close as we were. We never talked about God or religion or spirituality. We just, it just, that wasn't part, that wasn't what we did. And our, our dad was the same way. Um, great father, but we just didn't talk about that stuff. So, <laughs> so here I was. Um, I got hours left. What do I do? Um, I was so ill prepared. I had no idea how to attack this. And uh, so, you know, I started praying over him. I started trying to pray with him. He was agitated. Um, and and this, the, the hours went so fast. He was, you know, pretty much awake the whole time when I first got there, like 6 or 7 o'clock at night. But within a few hours, you know, he was, he was in and out of consciousness and ultimately becoming more and more out of consciousness than in. And um, so, like I said, I would pray over him. I'd try to pray with him. Um, it, the, uh, if, if you've ever, if you're not part of a community group and you thought that you didn't need to be, um, my community group got me through this. They were texting me all night long with scripture and advice. And, um, you know, the, one of the last things he said is my sister-in-law said, you know, Lou, I'm a, I believe in God when I die and come to heaven, I want to see you there. And after several hours that night with him, when she said that, his immediate response was, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think I was put there for two reasons. I think God put me there to kind of set the table and do as much as I could. Mm -hmm. uh, I think just to share and be honest and, and be open. But. I didn't have the power to change Lou in such a short period of time. It was God. And I think after I kind of set the table at God's direction, I think God came to him in his mm -hmm. state of unconsciousness and said, all right, come on home. Yeah. Wow. And, and I think the other reason I was there was I think God was preparing me for my change, you know, because as I mentioned, Lou and I never talked about it. And so I thought... Well, I thought I had a lifetime to deal with it had yeah. I found out. And it turns out I was given 16 hours to mm. figure out what to do and how to help and um, try to get him to, to accept Christ. Mm. Um, so I think God was there to, to, to prove to me and to show me, don't be afraid to talk about it. You have to talk about it. Yeah. Don't ignore it. I'm so glad you said that because I think for all of us, right, I mean, in our families, or extended families, there's, there's people who don't know Christ. And so often we put it off, right? We, we'll talk about sports, we'll talk about the weather, we'll talk about the stock market, but, yeah. but why don't we press in to talk about spiritual things with, with 
people in our families. I mean, the people we love the most, right? Why do, why do you think that is? What do you think the struggle is there? Well, you're the pastor, you tell me. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, I think, first of all, I think it's um, with family, to me, it, it, it's a hard discussion because, um, you know, you're so close in so many other ways and you, you're just, you're almost afraid that there's, it'll put a divide between you if the person that you're talking to about it doesn't believe what you're saying. Mm. Um, you know, it's easy to talk to a coworker, or a friend, a stranger, somebody you just meet at the wrapping station mm. or somebody. It's easy to talk about it, but it's harder. You know, it would have been very hard for me to talk to Lou about it and him come back to me and say, absolutely not. You know, these are the reasons that I believe what I believe. And, and, and I think it's, it's just that fear of rejection. Mm. That keeps us so many times, right? But these are the people who are closest to us. These are the people who are going to love us, you know, and we're going to love them uh, anyway. And it's amazing how we'll talk about, you know, tell our kids, you know, don't do drugs. I mean, this is, this is terrible. This is terrible for you. But then when it comes to spiritual things, it's like, okay, well, you go figure that out. Yeah. And it really comes down to that. Do we believe that the Lord is enough? Do we believe that Christ can redeem and restore? And, you know, I think, God blessed you to have Lou respond like that. I mean, otherwise, it would have been so hard for you to live yeah. in life and with the unknown. Um, so I think I'm proud of you because I know that wasn't easy. When you thought about being prepared, how has that impacted you just being more prepared in conversations with whether it's your boys or with extended family or friends? Well, I think it's I think it's just having your eyes open more and not I mean it's it's just easy to kind of look the other way and 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 not um, you know not deal with it um, but I I've just seen even even friends and I and I know I, I know a lot of times Facebook gets a bad rap and and but I I keep in close touch with a lot of college and high school friends mm -hmm. and I've just seen I've seen people where we have instant messaging back and forth or even posts. Um, with people that I would have never talked religion with or spirituality with when I was a high school student with them, but now it, it's it's so refreshing and to to see that. So um, I think to your point about preparation, it's 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 just all about you know if if I'm going to have the relationship with God, mm -hmm. I got to have the relationship with these people, mm -hmm. and I have to come out of my comfort zone, I got to take the risk of having those discussions. And, and like I said with my boys, having the discussions, setting the example, um, and you can't do it alone. I mean, right. the community group, my wife, Kim, uh, you know, staff, I mean, all everybody brings it all together mm -hmm. and, and, and provides you with that preparation. Um, so you, you can't do it alone. You have to depend on others. Uh, I don't think any of us are prepared to do it on our own. Right. Well, I love that because I do think, you know, I think even in my own family, in my extended family, uh, you know, there's a couple of people and uh, it, it's, it's funny. I always pray and like, okay, here comes Thanksgiving or here comes Christmas and we're going to be together. And then, you know, everybody's around or, you know, or sports are on or it, and, and somehow it's like Satan always just kind of gets you away from that. And you're thinking, this is the most important part of life. This is the good news. And you know, um, you come back to First Peter, it says always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But always do it with gentleness and respect. And I think it's always out of love. Um, but as men, we're called to be the spiritual leaders in our homes. 
Um, and if it's not us, then who? Right? And, and I think for you, that was a huge defining moment in your spiritual walk and that Christ was drawing you to himself and you being baptized. And then with Lou, um, and it's, it's changed you. I mean, I've watched that in you be more um, passionate about sharing Christ and developing that relationship with others. And uh, I want to commend you on that. No, you I appreciate know? that. You know, it's, it's, and it's small things, and, and I, I don't mean this as a joke, but I mean, just even growing up, you know, uh, you know the blessing at dinner for Thanksgiving and yeah. Christmas and Easter, uh, the three times that we might have prayed over a, a meal. I mean, it was typically the bless us, O Lord, and these like, gifts, which we were about to receive. It was just a rehearsed, memorized, prayer. And now um, I was always terrified to pray out loud. And now I just, I love it because it's just a conversation that you're having. And I think, I think even small things like that is part of the example that I can set with the, with the kids. Yeah. You know, it's like, just, it's, just have a conversation. Yeah. You know, he's, he's our father. Yeah. Just talk to them, talk to him just like you're talking to, to me and tell him about what, you know, what's, what your anxieties are, what your hopes and dreams are, you know, what you need, how you need help, thank him, adore him. I mean, it's, it's, it's so easy. I never saw that before. Yeah. I love that. I think that is, it's, it's, it's spiritual leadership, right? And it's not that we have all the answers or we're perfect. I mean, none of us are, but for us to be real and for us to take that initiative and for us to step into some of those conversations with our kids or our brothers or our sisters or families and just share the love of Christ yeah. um, because there, it's true. I mean, there is a God-shaped hole in all of us, right? That can only be filled by the Lord. And we try to fill it with stuff and things and money and career. But at the end of the day, everybody needs Jesus, you know? And at the every day, everybody's searching. And yeah. I'd rather people hear the good news from us, you know? Yeah. So, Well, and as far as, you know, being a spiritual leader in the in the home, I mean, honestly, Kim Kim really filled that role. Yeah. Until you know a few years ago, and now I, I feel like we we're doing it together again. I think I still think she's several steps ahead, and and I just adore her for that because she's just you know she's amazing. But and I learn a lot from her about it. But you know, as far as why we need to be a spiritual leader, I mean. To me, it's three simple things. Uh, we love our family. We owe it to our family. Mm. And we, we need to, to set that example. So um, as they go forward on their own, in their own lives, um, whether it's you know, your immediate family or extended family, that hopefully you know, that example will help them be better Christians as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so impactful. I mean, God has entrusted these people to us, you know, and we may not feel prepared or we may not feel like we're worthy or anything, but for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has said, okay, you know, you're, you're going to be the husband, to, you're going to be the father, you're going to be the uncle, and you know, it's nobody else, right? That's not, we can't defer that to somebody else. That, that's us. I tried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tried. <laughs> you did, and we all do, right? It, but, but for us to step into that and say, you know, Holy Spirit, fill me and speak through me, and here I am. And, and then to really take that initiative and not just deal with the trivial or the temporary, but to step into the things that are eternal and the things that are going to last. Yeah. So. You know, I mentioned that one of the things that drove me to, to the decision to get baptized was, you know, kind of being in a little bit of a dark 
spot in my life. And there, you know, the baptism was, was a piece of it, but there, there, there were so many other things. I mean, yeah. just, you know, getting involved here and, uh, and again, the community group. I mean, we've, the, 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 the nucleus, the core group has been together now for several years. And you just, I mean, you, you really lean on each other. And I mean, it's not just a group of friends that, that have, uh, you know, a, a Bible study once a week or get together, you know, for fellowship. I mean, you really end up um, becoming brothers and sisters in Christ and being able to depend on each other. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, that's a big piece of some of the, the things that I've changed in my life is because of of the community groups. I, I just, um, you know, when we first, when first, when Kim first mentioned years and years ago, you know, she wanted to join a community group. I'm like, well, how long is that going to take? I mean, how much time do I have to devote for that? I mean, what do you have to do? Do I, you know, I was like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. now it's like, I look, I just, I look forward to Sunday nights. Yeah. I just love it. It's so important to take that initiative too. And I think a lot of times those guys, we kind of want to come in and feel it out instead of hey, I got to step into this, you know? And it is awkward that first time going to somebody's house you don't know or, um, you know, being a part of a Bible study. But then, like you said, after, after a while, you're like, man, I love these people, you know? And, and they're there with me through the good times and they're there with me through the hard times, yeah. you know? And that's, that's biblical community. And we never know when things are going to turn. I mean, I, I, you know, being a pastor, you see it. I mean, life can just change on a dime. And... Um, for us, we need that support, you yeah. know, so. Well, those, I mean, I mentioned earlier the, the community group, the, the texts and the voicemails. I mean, I, I still have those. Mm. I still read them, even though it was a very sad time, I still read those as a reminder of what those people did for me yeah. in, in a very, very difficult night. Yeah. I still have your voicemail. Yeah. Um, Matt, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, it'd be great to say that my legacy, I want to be something like, you know, he was a, a godly father and husband and friend and coworker. And, and, I, and I want that, I want those things to be how I'm remembered, but I want my legacy to be deeper than that. I want, I want people to know that I wasn't those things all the time mm. and that If something happens in your life, it's there, it's, it happened for a reason, and you can change. Mm -hmm. And I want my legacy to be, he changed into that person, not that he always was that person. Well, I tell you, I've seen God change you, and, and um, I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you, you know, um, because I remember the first time I met you, it just kind of trajectory of your life, I mean, corporate, business, successful, those things. But as God got a hold of your heart, I mean, you talk about a transformation. And I've just seen the impact of your obedience to the Lord and your impact in your marriage and your impact with your boys, your impact in your family. And the impact of leading community group, the impact at church of you stepping in and just saying, all right, I'm going to get involved, you know. And God's used you. And, and I'm I'm such a believer in this that, that our obedience um, matters to more than just us. Our obedience to the Lord impacts so many others, and um, our disobedience does as well. 
but your obedience has been to be a man after God's heart. And um, yeah, we still have a long way to go, both of us. Um, but to watch you on that journey is exciting and amazing. Thanks. So, Thanks. Yeah. so we've got a couple of questions. Um, okay. So I'm going to, you all right for questions? Yeah. Good. All right. Who's going to win the Michigan-Ohio State game? <laughs> Next question. Go Bucks. Okay, Matt, question one. As, as the father of two young men, how has your experience with your brother shaped the spiritual conversations you now have with your sons? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think, as I was talking a little earlier, the, the, the worst thing that that I think I could do is procrastinate because I, even though I didn't really know exactly what was, was going on with my brother when I found out that, um, you know, he had a lot of questions, um, that made me think the, the kids probably do too. And, you know, they're both, diff they're both at different uh, places in, in, their, in their spiritual life. Um, and I think that what it's done primarily is it, it's, it's brought to my attention that I can't procrastinate. Mm. I've got I've to have those conversations, but even more importantly, I've got to set the example. So um, don't procrastinate. I think that's a great word because I think a lot of times as guys, we're busy with our career, we're busy doing, taking care of the house or the yard and all these other things, and we kind of put those things off, right? And, and uh, it's it's just hard. You, by the time you get home at night, you're tired and you're like, but we do procrastinate. And then we look up and we're like, whoa, when did my you know, kid get to be this age? What yeah. happened? And if we're not having those conversations with them, somebody is, right? They're either looking on the internet or they're having conversations with friends at school about, you know, everything. I mean, from, you know, what you believe to sex to, you know, all these questions. And and I think as dads, we can't procrastinate. That is just a strong word and an admonishment like, to all of us. Yeah. Well, if I transfer what happened with Lou to my kids, uh, and I know I said this earlier, but I, I, I felt like I had a lifetime with Lou, and I ended up having 16 hours uh, to deal with that. So if I translate that or transfer that same thinking to, to my boys, I, you know, it's easy to say, you gotta, I got a whole lifetime with them. But you're not guaranteed anything. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out to the parking lot. So if I do procrastinate, I, I run the risk of the same thing happening with, with them. Um, you know, not to say that they're in the same place Lou was, but, but it's my responsibility as a family spiritual leader to, to get them further along and further along and further along. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. You said that. It's my responsibility. You know, a lot of times we look at, well, it's my responsibility to get them into college or to get them into best college. And, my responsibility is to raise a godly young man or a godly young woman. You know, my responsibility is to help them know Jesus and to have a spiritual foundation that's going to stay with them for the rest of their life. And yep. uh, don't procrastinate on that. That was a great word. That was a great word. You got another? Yeah, we do. Um, Matt, how has your faith impacted your everyday work life and your priorities? Well, so I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I was kind of in a dark place uh, and I was under a lot of pressure at work and um, I just wasn't, I wasn't happy. And, and I think that, um, that the changes that I've started to make, it's just, I've, I'm just, 
I just feel like I got God with me, and I, and I, can, I can take anything that's thrown at me. Um, so I've got, um, I've got relationships at work now that are probably stronger. Um, you you kind of seek out the, the believers and kind of surround yourself more. Um, but as far as my priorities, you know, I've shifted them around where it's God, family, work. Mm. And I know that's, that's a real simple thing to say, but it never, it wasn't always that way. It was usually work, family, God, mm. or work, family, a few other things, God. So I think it's changed where God has become my priority. Yeah. Man, I love that. Because it's got to be, right? I mean, everything else won't make sense or won't fit until God's at the center. Yeah. It's good. Let's get one more here. Um, what would you tell a man who's struggling with when and how to have that defining spiritual conversation with a loved one? I think, so the struggling part, um, you know, I would have, if I would have backed up and, and I would have known about, you know, Lou's um, thoughts and feelings and beliefs, I probably would have fallen into that category. I would have been really struggling on how to have that conversation. But now in hindsight with what happened, I, I think that, I think you have to just, you have to take that risk. Um, you know, life's all about risks and certainly being a, a, a Christian is really about risks mm -hmm. because uh, it, it, there's so many different viewpoints in, in today's in today's world, so you have to take that risk and have that discussion, um, and and you know you just you have to kind of maybe step into it slowly and carefully, but you have to figure out where that person's head is and, and how you can best help them. But again, the the procrastination comes in. You have to take that risk because the the problem is if you don't take it and you do procrastinate, you may run out of time, like I almost did with mm -hmm. Lou. Yeah, I, I agree. I, w I would say pray, you know, if there's somebody in your family who doesn't know the Lord, you know, that you begin to pray for them and then ask God to give you that opportunity. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you that you, you can't procrastinate, you know, and when those opportunities come, just be bold and step into it and do it with, you know, as it says in First Peter, with gentleness and respect, but out of love. And, you know, you have enough history with your brother or with your, you know, nephew or to that they're going to love you and respect you and and you you're doing it because you care for them yeah. um I, I think just getting started is the hardest part for us you know and maybe it's giving them a bible maybe it's writing them a letter maybe but just do something to get initiate the conversation and then let god take that and, and you you said this so well earlier but it's only god who can change a heart right it's only god and so our responsibility is just to love and to share and to um, invite them um, to know this God who's changed our hearts and our lives. And, uh, you know, I think that's where then we can step in and just take that initiative and be bold there. So, yeah. Matt, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Well, just your honesty and your humility. Um, but I know it wasn't easy and to be able to share um, has meant a lot. So, it's great. Let me pray for us. I'm going to turn it back over to Thomas. Great. Father God, thank you. Um, Lord, you have called us to be spiritual leaders in our day, our generation, Father. God, you've entrusted us, Father, in our homes um, to be a husband or to be a father, um, to be an uncle. Um, 
God, you've put us in these positions. And Father, I pray that we would not abdicate our responsibility. I pray that we would not procrastinate in that. That God, we would be the spiritual leaders that you've called us to be. And God, we admit that it's not always easy. And Father, we pray that um, you would give us the boldness and the courage. Father, I pray for spiritual conversations to happen over Thanksgiving. I pray for spiritual conversations to happen over Christmas. I pray that we wouldn't just fast forward through holidays or upcoming times with family and, and just defer to the trivial and, and just talk about the weather or sports or things that just don't matter in the long run. But Father, that we would be men who are so passionate about you that we would have spiritual conversations with those that we love. And so God, fill us with your spirit. God, I thank you for Matt. And God, I thank you for Lou. I just thank you, Father, for Matt being there. And God, that you and your sovereignty worked it out where there was a spiritual change happening in Matt's life and then to have him there for his brother. And I pray, God, for all of us that we would be aware of those opportunities. So thank you for this morning and for the challenge that you've given to me and to all of us today. Let us be men after your heart. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Let's give Matt a round of applause. It's always hard to clap with a mic in your hand. Um, hey guys, uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us for the, the for the fall semester of Men's Leadership Network. Uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, we will send out a, a recap email this afternoon that will have a link to Matt's interview, but also a link to the website, mensleadershipnetwork.com, where you can find over 50 interviews that we've had with men over the last four or five years. It's a great tool. It's a great resource. Uh, make sure you take advantage of that. Also, you can find the interviews on iTunes. So uh, Men's Leadership uh, network.com or on iTunes, and you can find past interviews. Uh, while this is our last breakfast uh, uh, for the semester, we will kick back up in February, February 8th, uh, with kind of a winter-spring uh, semester, so you don't want to miss that. And I want to remind everybody, on your, on your table uh, or at the satellite locations, uh, there's an info card uh, promoting uh, a men's group that we're going to be starting in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be studying first, second, and third books of John. Uh, and we're going to see what Scripture says about leadership and manhood. So uh, over, the, over this Thanksgiving, Christmas period, this winter period, uh, it would be a great, great time to get involved with some of the men that you've met, uh, also studying Scripture. So uh, I want to thank everybody for being here today, and we look forward to seeing you in February. Thank you.